And joining us right now, the general manager of the New York Yankees as they get set to play four games against the Boston Red Sox, and that's Brian Cashman. Brian, John Jastrzemski, Evan Roberts, we're filling in for Mike. Good to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? All right. Uh, when the trade deadline passes 4 o'clock, what was your feeling? Were you disappointed that you weren't able to get anything done? Of course. I mean, uh, you know, your, your intent is to do, you know, find some lanes that you can drive in that's going to allow you to improve the club. That's the whole process. Um, unfortunately, I was not able to do that. And so that leaves clearly disappointment, um, you know, because obviously it's pencils down now and, and uh, no other way to impact your club as we've been trying to do, you know, for a long time. Do you think there's a, a, a why? Were the asking prices consistently high? Was there being one trade deadline impactful? Why do you think, because we look at your track record, you always do, well, most of the time, I can't say always, you do something, some major, some minor. Do you have a feeling on why nothing was able to come together on this trade deadline? Uh, I mean, uh, no. I mean, I, I I know that the price tags were, you know, um, sky high. Uh, and and it, it doesn't mean I'm not willing to pay certain price tags. I mean, literally, there was not anybody untouchable in our system, you know, depending on, you know, certain players that we would be trying to acquire. So we made, you know, players that we have in our system available, any one of them, um, you know, from the top guy down uh, for very specific purposes. But in those cases, clearly the opposing teams are like no-go. The You know, the players – uh, that we were targeting, especially none of them were moved. Um, so, you know, that reinforces, all right, well, it wasn't, you know, uh, something, you know, with us as much as, you know, the, the seller's side of it was they weren't really sellers. Um, you know, it was a unique deadline. Uh, and, and, you know, I fall back on, you know, uh, as I, I've gone through this in my mind a thousand times over, you know, even when, you know, I remember my, you know, uh, mentor Gene Michael at times, he's sitting there with a the furrowed brow, he'd bang his, his, uh, Pen, solar pen on the on the desk a little bit with uh, now nah, I just can't do that I can't do that like and some of the requests would come in and he's frustrated you know and right. as I was frustrated because there's things I wanted to do but I wasn't going to shoot a first second or third born for minimal impact coming back that may or may not or you could argue weren't really going to make a difference one way or the other um, you know so. You know, I remember having a conversation within our war room, going, "Hey guys, we're here to win a championship, and if 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 shooting the following type of talent request that's coming our way, the demands that we were having, you know, for lesser talented guys, that even though they were moved elsewhere, maybe within the uh, this deadline, but they arguably weren't going to make us, you know, noticeably better to to you know feel." good enough to make those moves and I was like, I'm, we're not doing that we're shooting if we shoot some of these you know uh bullets it's got to be something we feel like this is going to make a difference otherwise i'm not doing it and as a, that's the that's the criteria we're setting and, and have always said and so i think our history is we usually do things uh and the fact that we didn't i think you know speaks more to the fact that there are some impossible things uh the, the impossible things that weren't available didn't get moved and the possible things that were available the, the price tags just were way out of whack, and then and I see when the dust settles with a lot of other clubs that did not make moves either that are in the same boat trying to finish their teams off, you know whether it was the Cardinals, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, or whomever, you know they didn't make any moves either, not because of lack of effort, because I'm assuming and seeing those quotes from them in their hometowns it kind of matches up, which is they just it wasn't for lack of effort, right. lack of interest, and and I am disappointed that I can't add to what I've already got, which I feel is a good team, and that's the fallback. We got a really good team here, and guys are wired really well, and my job is to do everything in my power uh, within reason to, to improve upon it. But 
Uh, now, you know, plan B was always, uh, if I was forced to go in that lane, is to fall back uh, and and try to continue to improve on what we have that's active, uh, that isn't performing up to capabilities, and then wait for some pretty, you know, uh, tremendous talented players that are currently residing on our disabled list, uh, which is now called the injured list, you know, and, and uh, wait for the Stantons and the and you know Luke Voigt to return, as well as obviously more importantly the Severinos and the the Batanzas and Luizaga, who's obviously going to have another rehab outing here shortly. Well, Brian, you mentioned Severino and Batanzas. That would be like adding a big time arm, no doubt about it. Two big time arms, guys who have made the All Star team in the past. Who's closer to getting back to action? Would it be Dylan Batanzas or Luis Severino? It's a it's a tougher question because. One's a starter, one's a reliever. So Seve is ahead of Batanzas in the throwing program, and he has a chance maybe to get on the bump as early as next week uh, and start you know, uh, you know, elevating from the flat ground throwing program to throwing off the mound. Uh, but being a starter, you know, uh, you know, pitch count and where you can take him, you know, is you know, is a much longer process. So even though he's ahead of of Dellen in the in the throwing program um, so far, the you know. It's hard for me to predict, really. You know, once Dellen gets on the mound, you know, his thing can come a lot quicker. Uh, you know, so it's obviously the general protocols are flat ground throwing program, evolve to a you know, bullpen sessions, then batting practice sessions, and then rehab games. So, uh, but one being a starter, one being a reliever, you know, it's it's still tougher to kind of thread the needle on you know who's ultimately going to be activated first if if they can finish off properly. Brian, as you're going through the process and you're trying to make deals down at the last minute, what was your reaction when you find out the Houston Astros acquired Zach Granke? I mean, I didn't have a reaction. Um, you know, he, he wasn't a choice for us, just obviously because of the full no trade. And um, uh, you, you, you know, my expectation going into this uh, deadline was that you know a lot of the clubs looking for similar. Uh, things as we were, you know, Houston on starting pitching and stuff. I expected them to get one, you know, and uh, and they did. Uh, did certainly didn't expect us not to get one. Um, but you know, listen, I'm not surprised by any of our competitors. They're very, you know, very good at what they do. Obviously, that's why they have great teams, and and uh, you expect them to continue to improve upon things, just like teams I'm sure expected us to do the same. And and uh, it, but it, again, it just didn't work out in our favor this time. So with Granky, and you mentioned he had a full no-trade clause, there are other guys with no-trade clauses, but sometimes you still pursue them because you never know. They may waive that no-trade clause. Was he just the kind of guy you looked at and said, I don't think he has an interest in coming in New York, and I don't know if this is going to be a good fit? Because Madison Bumgarner's got a full no-trade, and I would assume you were probably on the phone quite a bit with the Giants talking about him. I talked to everybody, you know, except for I never, I never bothered to waste my time talking to Dave Dombrowski, who obviously <laughs> I respect and stuff. But other than that, I talked to everybody uh, and on a lot of different uh, uh, circumstances. And then obviously, you know, Zach Granke now joining the Astros makes them even that much more formidable. And but I'd rather not, you know, out of you know uh, respect for for obviously the tampering side or privacy side, you know, uh, you know not really go down that that road of uh, you know whether he would have been of interest or possible or fit here or not. It just, uh, you know, there's a number of guys that were in the marketplace that, that had no trades to the Yankees 
uh, him being one of them. Uh, and, you know, it just it is what it is. I, do you get the sense, I get it, just as a baseball fan, that there were teams who traded pitchers that had no interest in dealing with you? Not you personally, but the Yankees. Like, the Cleveland Indians. They moved Trevor Bauer. I, it would have been crazy, in my mind, for them to move Trevor Bauer to you guys because you guys could compete in the postseason. Even to a degree, Marcus Stroman. I know you guys made a deal last year for Jay Happ, but Stroman's younger, year of control. Did you get the sense that with those two teams – Maybe they were putting more of a premium on you for competitive reasons. I don't know if I would want to say that. Um, you know, uh, I think it's it. You know, I think all things being equal, if you're if you're within the division or within a pennant race within your same league, then if all things are equal and you could send that talent elsewhere, you yeah, you, you, that would break the tie. Um, and that's in fairness to everybody. So if I you know if I had a chance to send a guy you know to the National League versus uh, right here in my own division that I'd have to deal with moving forward a lot, uh, you know, and it was the same deal. Yeah, I want to go to the National League with that guy. So so I understand all that. Uh, I do think there are some teams that are less willing uh, for various reasons to to want to you know help us or you know than others but but that you know again at the end of the day that could be you know uh an old wives tale too at times that could maybe there's some validity to it but i you know in fairness to everybody out there you know i do think that again if all things are equal you know um you know some of those things can come into play uh but you know there was a lot of things that you know there was a lot of inequality as we tried to match things up with people and, and in fairness too some of the things that were our challenges to get past and is is the way our system currently sits we're really strong at the lower levels i mean we we can match up with just about anybody uh you know or sit above most with if you're talking about the talent levels from a ball and down um but obviously a lot of teams are looking for that stuff that they don't have to wait on right. and uh, they're looking for impact so obviously if you're dealing with our upper levels you're talking debbie garcia and then clint frazier and then there's you know there's still a lot of number of different players you can play on but not necessarily in that impact category and then you drop down into the estevan florials for instance who got a broken wrist in spring training you know and then so he's you know he got offline for a long period of time and just now he's back online uh and then trying to find his groove to get the performance levels back you know michael king had a stress reaction so he hasn't pitched basically all year and he was one of our upper level guys so we've had a lot of injury issues that hit right before the deadline you know albert abreu went down with the biceps tendonitis and goes right on the dl he was obviously another you know, someone that people could have asked about so we you know a couple of our Catchers, our first and second pick from two years ago, had season-ending injuries sometime here in the last month with Anthony Sigler and, uh, and Bro, and so a lot of our prospect capital took hits that you know made some of these matches harder that would chase our opposing teams that we're matching up with uh, or trying to match up with down more into the you know high A or or uh, you know South Atlantic Charleston team you know that we had and, and some teams just didn't want to go that far down the the, the food chain to to try to, to to do things so we try to be creative we made a lot of very aggressive offers and 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 thought outside the box because we were forced to at times and have to and I think people if they had a chance to look behind the scenes about some of the offers that were made that were turned down they'd be shocked and also you know worried that hey I'm glad the opposing team didn't make make that because you know you know you, uh, they're you know some of the more pretty unique offers mm. but uh we just never matched up in the end we you know are what we were willing to do and you know uh, didn't match with what teams were demanding from us and and uh i feel like we had no choice but to push away from the table and and do i regret not improving the club yes do i regret not doing the deals that were in front of me no do you regret anything sorry jay do you regret anything 
from the offseason or even the Dallas Keuchel situation, knowing what ended up having with the market, what happened to the market, like looking back at going after Corbin in free agency or Keuchel last month, you have any regrets about those two guys? None whatsoever. We put our best foot forward on Keuchel, and, and if Keuchel wanted to be here, he would have come here. I mean, we, you know, although the the offer that was taken with the Braves, the way the negotiations would work, you know, again, if this was the place he wanted to be, he would have demanded for his agent to call us directly back and say, "There's just a you know a, a million and a half or whatever the number was of separation, and I'd rather be here in New York versus there in Atlanta." That never happened. We never got the you're you're on the you're on the five yard line if you if you if you move the ball you know ten more yards or five more yards he's yours that, that never happened it was just here's our offer and and uh and there wasn't the you know discussion back and forth of trying to close it out to finish it off it was it was you know no it wasn't that at all so I assume when the dust settles he took the best deal or or he took a lesser deal you know, compared to other deals elsewhere because the place he wanted to be was in atlanta and uh and I, yeah, I respect that, but it wasn't the type of negotiation as I described. Where here's our number. Uh, it was a good, strong offer. It was very close, and not too far under where he wound up signing. Uh, but at the end of the day, if this is where he would have wanted to be, it would have, you know, they would have made that happen. And, and since they didn't try that, then I assume that Atlanta was the place he wanted to be more so than here, anyway. The general manager of the New York Yankees, Brian Cashman, John Jastrzemski, Evan Robertson for Mike right here on The Fan. All right, Brian, so you guys have brought in so many different starting pitchers over the years. Guys like CC Sabathia, Mike Messina, Masahiro Tanaka, they've been slam dunks. Then you see other guys, they're not fit for pitching in New York, whether it's a guy like Sonny Gray, who is now gone, whether it's somebody like Javi Vasquez. So from your perspective, from the front office's perspective, what's tougher to evaluate? The idea of a pitcher coming to the American League East, pitching at Yankee Stadium, pitching at Fenway Park, a lot of hit of Fenway Parks, or is it that element of putting on the pinstripes and wearing that Yankee uniform and pitching in New York? Like, what is tougher for you guys in the front office to kind of handicap when you bring a guy in? I mean, it definitely, I mean, you touched on it all. I think it's all relative and and. and and accurate, you know, clearly the American League East with the smaller ballparks, whether you got Baltimore, New York, Boston, you know, are more difficult challenges, places to, to, to play, and the offenses are typically much stronger than elsewhere. Um, obviously, playing in a bigger market like New York uh, is, you know, can be something that, you know, is a difference maker. Um, yeah, but we've we've run through a lot of players that, that have, you know, whether it's, you know, we had Evaldi. I remember we got, whether it's Evaldi, whether it's Pineda, whether it's just a number of different guys, uh, you know, Contreras, who then went on with massive success to lead the White Sox to a World Series. And we've, we've run a lot of guys out there that it clear was, well, we got the right guy because he's a type of pitcher that has success at this level for a long period of time, but, but not, you know, maybe it didn't play out the way to the full potential it could here. And that could come up for various reasons. Even the Carl Pavanos of the world that when we had here, he never really performed here because he was hurt. But he pitched in a number of different postseasons and, and, and World Series, whether it was with the Marlins or, or you saw what he was doing towards the end of his career with the Minnesota Twins. And, and you saw him as a very effective, you know, uh, difference-making starter at, the, at, at, at those time frames. It just sometimes it's timing, sometimes it's injuries, sometimes it's, it is the market. I mean, I know dealing in the past, you know, Randy Johnson, and, you know, uh, towards the end of his career, this was not – you know, I don't think the fun house for him, um, and uh, you know that didn't doesn't take away from you know that Hall of Fame competitor that he was. Uh, just that was just turned out to be a fact. So uh, it's hard to navigate all that stuff, but you know the ultimate, you know, 
you may ultimately make your decision the best you possibly can and and then and try it out and if it works you know great and if it doesn't work you got to get out of it and move on and and you know reshuffle the package and that's why the one the one thing we find the most success with or have had the most success with i think is promoting from within and, and it coming from your system uh, for whatever reason you know that doesn't seem to be as much of an issue uh, when they come through your system versus obviously importing guys well cash you mentioned coming through the system david garcia is this a guy we could see in yankee pinstraps by the end of the year in september Right. You know, he's certainly, you know, he's done a lot already for a 20-year-old. He checks a lot, and he checks all the boxes you're looking for, for, for uh, you know, someone that, you know, has a, you know, the opportunity and potential for a really strong, promising major league career. Um, you know, you don't see guys at 20 years old, you know, uh, doing what he's done at AA, and, and he's now just entered the, the AAA. He's going through through some adjustments at the AAA level now. I think it's three or four starts, but the ball now, he's using the major league ball, you know, from you know, AAA on up is, is used the major league ball. So, so that's usually an adjustment period, which he's going through. So he's checking all the boxes, you know, for what he's shown us thus far. He was certainly asked about in, in almost every category in these trade deadlines. Some was very offensive requests and others were more appropriate, but, but, uh, uh, we got to finish his development off and, and, uh, and, you know, as, if he shows us that he's ready to help, if he does help here this year, it'd be out of the pen. Right. Uh, and so, you know, he, I think our potential realistic choices going forward are just get Seve back, Batanzas back, Loizaga back. And then if Debbie Garcia pushes himself or Davey Garcia pushes himself into a, uh, you know, contention for a role here in September. We'll do that if it feels like he needs uh, to, you know, a little bit more time to finish off. We won't do that, you know. And and so, it just to see, we'll just have to wait and see how the rest of the you know minor league season plays out for him to see how legitimately he pushes himself in play or not for us uh, in 2019. I was thinking about all the different Met GMs you've negotiated with over the last 19 years. You've outlasted all of them, whether it was Steve Phillips, Jim Duquette, Sandy Alderson, Omar Minaya. Now you got Brody and. Did you take your conversations with him serious? I'm sure you did, but did you get the sense that the Mets were ever serious about making a deal with you guys? We we had a lot of conversations. You know, there you know, it was a lot of good feedback both ways. Um, you know, so I, I would say it's it's more likely than not. You know, first of all, it's less likely for us probably ever to do anything just because of proximity. You know, does that make it right? Does that make it wrong? It doesn't really matter. Uh, but when you're dealing with you know, uh, they're an inner city rival, uh, or if you're dealing with a rival within your division, especially, uh, the best way for either party to match up is when one's going one direction and the other's going the other. And, uh, clearly they're closing the gap. Uh, I, I might be wrong. You guys would know they're either four or five games out of the wild card right now. They're on a seven game winning streak. It, right. That's something like that. That's accurate. They've reinforced their club. They believe they have enough right now and they fortified it with the deadline. And they're also, you know, playing into 2020 as well. So, so that's not anything. Those are not statements that we are out of this and we are done and we are rebuilding. That's not what's going on over there. So that, I think would create more of an atmosphere for, you know, anybody to really match up, you know, uh, that's trying to go for it at the same time. So, so I would leave it at that. My conversations with Brody were professional. There were numerous, uh, we've known each other a long time, obviously him on the side of the agency before he's now a general manager. I like dealing with him, uh, but they're going for it. We're going for it. That makes it harder for us to really do anything together as much as anything else. Cash, you've been at this a long time. You've made deals with the Mets on the minor scale, whether it was the Armando Benitez trade, that three-teamer with Ventura and David Justice. So can you ever envision 
making a big-time trade, a big-time deal with the New York Mets? Could you see that happening at some point in time? Uh, you know, I think that it's in both teams' interest always to try to, to do what's best for their franchises. And if that means a small deal or a big deal, I don't think either one should ever be afraid of it. And, uh, uh, you know, I think, you know, a thousand discussions, all, you know, throughout the game will only lead to maybe one match. You know, so as I – and I listen, I, I think – I. Uh, you know, I've done more deals probably than anybody sitting in the game right now because I've been a general manager for so long. So it's not that I'm afraid to do a deal, but I did a thousand discussions, a million discussions, whatever you want to call it here in the last three weeks that, you know, since our last deal or legitimate impact deal for the 25 man roster that was making a trade for Encarnacion. And since then, I can't tell you the amount of, you know, proposals, you know, going and coming uh, that I've had between now and July 31st that led nowhere. And uh, that's just the nature of the beast. You, you constantly sword fighting with and playing with different various ideas, you know, uh, internal and then sharing them, sharing them externally. And every now and then you get lucky uh, or unlucky if it doesn't work out uh, to match up with somebody. Do you have an, I, I definitely have an opinion on this. I'm curious what you think because you've been doing it for a million years. Do you have, in your opinion, your best trade deadline deal, thinking back to all the deals you've made for the last 20 years? Because to me, I, I think it's a blowout. I'm curious if you, as the man who actually made the trades, has an opinion on that. Well, I, I don't want to say, like, if, like, I think people just think deadline deal would be like July 31st. To me, the deadline is, is for the most part, everything after the amateur draft. Is yes. Over. Yeah, the and one so I'm da- thinking da- of is in David like Justice. David was, Justice. Yeah, David Justice yes. was the biggest difference maker and everybody, and the thing I like doing the most is, is I like mostly when no one knows whatever we're going to do until we do it, you know, because you don't want to invite everybody to the party while you're trying to build the negotiation package. And so the fact that I, that one happened when everybody was focused on Juan Gonzalez and Sammy Sosa, and I can't remember the third hitter at the time off the top of my head. Uh, the, there were three, you know, major names that are out there that were being written about constantly, constantly, constantly. And, uh, and then when the dust settled, we pulled justice out of Cleveland and he made, he remade our entire, uh, uh, season uh, the rest of the way, and we don't win without that transaction. So that had a massive impact. Oh, yeah. I think so he I, hit 28, 29 home runs with the ALCS the MVP that year. Road, still hasn't landed in the upper deck, Cash. I don't know. It still might yeah, be going. That might have been the loudest I've ever heard the old stadium, <laughs> to be honest. And, and you know, I'm certainly around for a lot of big moments and stuff. But but unfortunately, I don't want to be here talking to you on the phone about uh, about deals like that that were so long ago. The effort was to try to get a deal that would impact us like that. And unfortunately, uh, I got a man up and tell you I was, un- was unable to pull one off. Uh, but I, at the same time, you know, it wasn't for lack of effort, even though that, that means nothing to our fan base, I'm sure. One last thing from me. Is there an innings limit on Domingo Herman? Uh, yes. Do you want to reveal it? Uh, no. Will you slow him down over the next month and a half? So will we as fans notice, you know, Domingo being pulled after five or maybe <laughs> skipping a start? Well, I can tell you this. He already he already had his timeout, for instance, that actually certainly cushioned the blow. Right. Because when, it, when, he was try, when he was hiding from us, uh, like, all, like all these guys seem to do regardless, when he was hiding from us, that hip flexor he was dealing with and, you know, for three starts, and then we had to put him on the – the IL um, for I can't remember how long it was. So is that enough then? So is he uh, good to go the rest of the way? No, uh, 
No well, uh, you, restrictions. You'll, you'll have to watch how the season plays out, but that certainly uh, sure that certainly so. allowed uh, allowed us to 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 get that breather in there on the arm and and the innings limitations that uh, that come with him and uh, and so, but thankfully we have him because you know he's really been a breath of fresh air as he's taken the next steps and obviously with Sevy going down he essentially replaced Sevy why you know why we needed it or expected the Sevy to be here. Cash, final one for me. Gary Sanchez. He was an all-star catcher first half, gets hurt. What is the latest as far as the timetable for Sanchez? He's doing great. I think uh I think we have a decision to make about rehab games versus plug and play and uh and he's getting he's really close. So uh, it's not gonna be really that long from from the uh time frame that he is, you know, uh, I think around that 10-day, whether it's uh, 11, 12, 13, it depends on whether we put him in a rehab assignment or not. Thank you, Brian. We appreciate it. Appreciate it, Brian. Thank you. Thanks so much. Brian Cashman, general manager of the New York Yankees.